Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest. Jeff, can you work with uh, Ben in the uh, in the Twitter DMs while we get our while we get our uh, get the uh, get the podcast moving? Be great! It'd be great! It'd be great here. So it looks like he's having a little difficulty joining in. He said he clicked the link and nothing's happening. But I think if he clicks it again, he'll get in. Perhaps you can either do it in the Twitter DMs or or in the Google Doc. Here while we get her running here, but welcome to this week in the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. You can follow the site Twitter account at, at All Sports DACC. That's at All Sports DACC. And I see that Ben Bird has just joined the room. Although I don't see him, and there he is live. Ben, welcome to the All Sports Discussion uh, ACC podcast here. I'm just about to introduce you here. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and tonight we have Ben Bird from Bull City Coordinators at Duke Football Blog. You can find him on Twitter at at BullCityCoordinators.com and at Duke Football Coverage. That's at D-U-K f-b-c-o-r-v-a-g-e on twitter ben. Well, ben i've just invited you ben to be, you are invited as a speaker yeah he, he, uh, there he is he can end very good job jeff so ben welcome back man tell us about yourself it's been over it's been over a year since you've been here we're happy to have you back friend Uh, I think we're waiting, uh, Matthew, on Ben to join as a speaker. Uh, right now, he's listening to us, and um, he just needs to get the invite that I sent him. He's invited as a speaker. So while we wait on Ben to to join us, uh, maybe we can have a quick review of of the NFL draft for this weekend, this past weekend, and maybe take a quick look at ACC sports while we wait on Ben to join us. Um, the ACC had uh, 32 picks in this year's NFL draft, and uh, that was uh, third most uh, by any power of five, uh, by any conference. And of course, you have to take into account number of teams, uh, which would have put the ACC fourth. Um, so you know, not a not a earth shattering. Uh, we can see you, Ben. Uh, we cannot we cannot hear you. And you are invited as a speaker. I have sent you that invite. Okay, so yeah, the ACC had uh, thirty two picks, uh, which 
per per team average would have placed him fourth. Uh, so you know, not like I said, not an earth shattering draft for the ACC, but but considering last year after they only had 21 picks, uh, that was a significant increase from last. That was a significant increase from last season. So some modest improvement from the ACC as they try to, you know, get that football turned around. And I think in, in a lot of ways that mirrored the past season, you know, which wasn't an, an earth shattering, you know, football season for the ACC. But, you know, no question had the winning bowl record had some um had some significant out-of-conference wins like Florida State over LSU, uh, even Syracuse beating, you know, Big Ten uh, division champion Purdue. So there were some quality wins in the ACC. There were some quality wins in the ACC last year, the winning bowl record. You know, not saying the ACC is a finished product, certainly has a long way to go you know, to get back to where they were in 2016 when they were at the top of college football. Uh, but it was nice to see, you know, the trend going in the, yeah, we see Ben now. Uh, so we'll get going with Ben here in a moment, but it was nice to see for the ACC to kind of, you know, stop the decline. I would say last year it really bottomed out in, in the draft. Uh, football had went on a 13-game bowl losing streak at one point from 2019 to 2021. Uh, so I, I think it's safe to say that decline finally came to an end. Um, and now, you know, we can, we'll see how how far the ACC can get back in the other direction. But it was good. It was good to see it go um, rather than going down, going up this year. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as we get going with our guest. Ben, can you hear us, my friend? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we have Ben Bird from Bell Bull City Coordinators. This is a Duke football blog. You can find him at BullCityCoordinators.com. Again, that's BullCityCoordinators.com. And Duke football coverage on Twitter. I'll spell that out for you. At D-U-K-F-B-C-O-V-E-R-A-G-E. He is the king of Duke football Twitter, and he is a great return guest here on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. You can follow our site Twitter account at, at allsportsdacc. Now, Ben, before we start, tell us about yourself and anything that you want to plug. The floor is well, thank you guys for having me back on. It's great as always. Uh, I've had you on as guests and look forward to doing that again. And I really enjoy your podcast. As you mentioned, I run BullCityCoordinators.com and we have a podcast, the Duke Football Coverage Podcast, which has spun off from that. Working on a couple of different things for this upcoming football season. We'll see how it shakes out, but I really enjoy doing it. And while you're checking out our website, go to our Jam Sessions category and you can uh, listen to some of the old-time music that we cover and post there. It's good stuff. What do you have at the Ukraine ba uh, guest back for a guest appearance and a lecture on uh, economic sanctions and their impact on the great power competition? When is that? 
you know, I should do that. That was a very informative topic and very limited on the football, but I should I should reach out and get that done. That was a great, great make topic. it happen. And if you can get the deputy, the former deputy national security advisor on who was also a Duke alum and maybe join him on the same podcast. I think you'd probably have everybody in the national security community listening to your podcast, Ben. Well, that's a good idea. I may have to give it a shot here this summer since our son's not playing travel across this year, thank God. So we may have a little more free time. I'll hit you up with the the other name as well. Okay, very good, sir. Very good, sir. Let's tr- let's talk. Let's talk, talk just a, re- a recap of the hoop seasons for both the men's and men's men's and women's basketball for twenty twenty three. What what are your quick thoughts there? Well, for the men's team, which I keep up with more religiously, I will say that I thought Shire looked like a very good field general. I thought that he managed the team well. There were some injuries, particularly to Roach. And he moved the guys around, got a lot out of them. I think that if you're a Blue Devil fan, you have to be optimistic about this upcoming season, especially with all the returning players. Now, the end, I think we'd all agree, was not ideal, but that happens. It's a young team. We've seen it a lot. There was also a key injury to Mitchell. It's one of those things that occurs. But it was a great season on the whole. I don't think anybody could complain about it. It it exceeded my expectations. So I think the future's bright. On the women's end, they had a really nice season, but they just kind of lost some steam at the end. And then there were two transfers out at the end of the season that kind of hit the team, you know, after the season was over, excuse me, kind of hit the team hard, kind of surprising, a little bit of an unfortunate ending for them. But that's that's life, and the portal is the portal, and we'll see what happens come uh, come this upcoming season. I think you hit it right on the mark for the men. I mean, you couldn't really ask for a better first season from Shire with an ACC title. And quite frankly, the women overachieved for Duke. I don't think that they were necessarily expected to be near the top of the conference. And I think people should be pretty happy about the pretty happy about the future there. Uh, so, Jeff, friend, you're up. Get us started on Duke football. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Matthew, and and Ben. I just want to say on you know on on Duke basketball real quick. I, I mean, I was a little bit surprised by um, you know, uh, you know, John Shire took a little bit of criticism this year, especially during the midpoint of the season. But um, and, and you hint to talk about it. Um, I think he did, and I I think he really did an actually pretty good job. I mean, you won an ACC title, um won a game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I think it was clear against Tennessee. There was just a different level of, of physical maturity in that game. Um, but, I mean, there were there were things that you even saw in that game and some of the guys coming back. I mean, I, I think Duke's going to be a top-five team uh, going into the preseason next year. And, and I, w- I, would give, I would give Shire a B-plus on the season. I, I think he did a really good job myself. I would agree with that assessment. I'd grade them a little bit higher just because I think it's hard to get young guys to gel. And as great of a coach as Coach K was, you saw that when he switched to the one-and-done model. It was very difficult at times. There were some down years. And I think once he found a good complementary system for Roach and Proctor, things started to come together. 
so I, I think that he's shown he can win with young guys. He can get a lot out of young guys. We're all going to be excited to see how he does with older guys in the relative definition of college sports, college basketball primarily. We'll be very excited to see what he does with that next year. And if you're, again, if you're a Blue Devil fan, you have to be pretty happy. And I know people were kind of on Shire early, but uh, sometimes patience works. And one last question to follow up on that. Do, do you think do you think Jeremy Roach will be back? I know he's he's testing his, you know, NBA draft uh, potential right now. Do you think you you think he'll be in a Duke Blue Devil uniform next year or will, will he uh, stay professional? That's a really good question. It's hard to get a sense of the roster is going to be kind of chock full of point guards, particularly if he comes back. I, I'm not sure what to make of that and my general approach to recruiting is not to pay attention to it until you really have no other choice. It was kind of what I did last year with trying to figure out was Keel's going to stay or go. So I, I don't know, to be honest with you, that that'll be interesting to watch unfold. I kind of feel like his game may not translate particularly well to the NBA level, which is why he's getting the feedback. I mean, he's a great player. I think he's a guy that you want on, on your team, but I don't know where else he would go for a season if he doesn't come pro. So if I had to put odds on it, I'd probably say 50, 50. Okay. Okay. Very fair assessment there, Ben. All right. Let's, let's turn our attention to, uh, foot, uh, some football here. Um, Oh, uh, Matthew says he's got an update on a score here. What do you got there, Matthew? Boston lost tonight. <laughs> the Bruins lost to the Florida Panthers, and the NHL is probably furious about the ratings, and I love it. Okay, that's it. That's all I <laughs> got. Got the live uh, score update here on the podcast. Um, all right. Ben, what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Duke football team? Well, the first thing that I think you should look at is this is an older team. Man, you're going to benefit from the COVID year, obviously, but just go look at the roster. At key positions, there's a lot of age and there's a lot of experience, and not just guys who have been there, but guys who are key contributors. So I think everybody is talking about Riley Leonard. And I think that that's certainly justified. You ought to talk about the quarterback. He had a really good season last year. But look at how old the wide receiver wide receivers are. Look at the tight ends. And look at the defensive line. I mean, that is looking to be a very, very solid unit this year, particularly with Carter and Franklin back. That could bode well because where you win games – in, in football is on the offensive line and on the defensive line. You control the line of scrimmage. As complicated as we like to make offenses and defenses nowadays, if you're going to win, you have to dominate the lines. Okay? I mean, Clemson is what? Defensive line university now with as many guys as they get in the pros and look how good they are year in and year out. And Franklin in the spring game, and I know the spring game is different, but he really looked like a, a man among men. We didn't see Carter. We didn't see Graham Barton on the offensive uh, line. Uh, they were holding them back some. 
so I think the depth and the depth at key positions with a lot of experience is going to be a big asset and strength for the Blue Devils this coming season. And, and I've already seen one mock draft that had a, you know, one of your offensive linemen's uh, grant there uh, going in the first round of next year's uh, NFL draft. So there's some talent along that offensive line. Absolutely right. And that's that's an older group. I thought we were going to get younger, but when I looked at it to do my post at the website about what I was looking forward to, that was one of the things I noticed. That is a group that's got a lot of experience. You got Jacob Monk coming back. Uh, you got Pickett. Uh, you got uh, Big Mo McIntyre. He's going to be there. You've got guys with a lot of experience who have played a lot, and it's kind of reminding those of us who were longtime fans of that group from about 2012 to about 2015 or so when they went uh, to four straight bowl games, which culminated in a win in the pinstripe bowl. So, you know, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of opportunities for guys there to, to do well and really show their stuff. All right. All right. Very good. Um, now let's go on the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, for the Blue Devils? In other words, what do you think Duke will be working on before that first game against Clemson? That's a big one um, to open the season. What are the questions you think have to be resolved? The main thing that I'm going to be looking at is going to be the linebacker position. We saw when Shaka left and ended up as an undrafted free agent. I think he signed with the Bengals as of yesterday. There's not a lot of experience and depth there beyond the first two guys. Uh, Dorian Mayusi, if I mispronounce that, I apologize. Uh, and also Cam Dillon. The big question is going to be, and again, you guys know me, I don't like to be critical of players because they're, they're college students. Outside of Cam Dillon, I think there's a lot of question marks, and that's just me being as fair as I can be. I'm not sure who is really going to step up and be the number two. We lost uh, Rocky Shelton, who transferred to Miami, who had some experience but didn't play a whole lot last year because he had, had to sit out uh, a year uh, for reasons that weren't really disclosed fully. So I don't want to get into any speculation there. As far as I understand, you know, he's a, he's a good, he's a good player. He's a hard worker. I, I don't know what happened and and I don't think we can speculate as anything bad, uh, but he was just out for a year and he didn't get his way back in the rotation, but Cam Dillon kind of quickly became the number two alongside uh, Shaka, the, the, the two starters outside of that, there's some question marks. Secondary also has a big hole to fill without Darius Joyner back there who signed an undrafted free agent contract. I'm spacing on exactly where he's going, but you've got Al Blades coming in from Miami, uh, so he should help out some. And you've also got Chandler Rivers back there who can ball. I mean, he's a really, really good player, which kind of turns the secondary a little bit back into strength. A little bit of unsettled territory there, but I think the secondary might be able to surprise some folks, and hopefully that'll help the linebackers settle in. All right, Ben. Um, who who are some of the new recruits and transfer players that have impressed you the most so far in the spring? And do you think uh, there will be any that get some major playing time right away? Blades is the guy that I think that we're all looking at to get some playing time right away. 
another guy who could, we'll just have to see how it plays out, uh, is going to be Miles Jones, who came in from Texas A&M, who I think has one year left. He's a cornerback, just like Blades is. So I think those would be the two. Beyond that, it's not 100% clear. There have been a couple of guys who have transferred out of late and a lot of guys who transferred out at the end of the season, but I don't think any of that was necessarily a surprise. I think that was just one of those things that every team deals with uh, as part of the new college football environment that we're in. So those two guys in the secondary would be the ones that I'd be looking at to get some playing time. Okay, Ben, do you think that Duke will be better than last year? And, you know, that was just such a fantastic season in, in 2022. Uh, and why or why not? And we were going to do this segment a little bit differently than we've done in the past year. Uh, rather than go through each game uh, on the schedule, uh, we want to talk about which two games you feel are the most important, most pivotal games. And then, uh, you know, give us a quick you know, preseason analysis of those two games. And then um, give us what you think the uh, Duke Blue Devils overall record will be. There's a lot of really good questions in there. And I think if you followed me a little bit on uh, on Twitter or have, have gone to my website, you, you, you might know how I'm going to answer this and what I'm, what I'm worried about. Uh, to your first question, do you think Duke will be better than last year? I think so. I'm not necessarily sure, though, that that's going to result in a better win-loss record. And you hit on what happened last season. And I think we all understand in this day of unbalanced schedules that you you just have to beat whoever's in front of you, right? You can't always help it if the team that you're playing is not – the teams are, are, are weaker or not as good or whatever. But last year, Duke benefited from playing a lot of teams that were not very good. Uh, pulling up their 2022 schedule, you see they played Northwestern, who was not good. Virginia, not very good. Georgia Tech, who got hot late uh, and started playing better. But Miami also didn't go to a bowl game. Boston College, Virginia Tech. Uh, so there were a lot of teams that did not go to a bowl that ended up on, on the Blue Devil schedule. But let's turn the page and look at 2023, because what you're asking me also is two of the most important games, okay? And the two, I think, most important games could occur really, really early. Uh, Labor Day weekend, Clemson. Uh, that is going to be at Wallace Wade. It's the home opener, week one, a conference game. That's a big game, okay? Then you've got three non-conference games. And you follow that up with Notre Dame, which is, I don't know if it's a conference game or not, but within the first five games, Duke has to play two of the five, uh, uh, excuse me, two of the best teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Again, if you're counting Notre Dame, which it doesn't count as a conference game looking at the schedule, but two of the teams that have really been the best as part of the ACC for the last good while. You know, if Duke loses those two games, that's going to be difficult to overcome. If Duke splits them, I think it goes one and one. I think all the fans will be happy forever, and this will be possibly one of the, the most remembered seasons uh, in Duke history, but that's tough, and it doesn't get any easier from there. Let's just look at what happens after they play Notre Dame on September 30th. They get a bye week. 
Then they play home against NC State. They play on the road against Florida State. They play on the road against Louisville. And then they've got Wake, North Carolina, Virginia, and Pitt. I mean, you guys can look at that schedule just as well as I can, and you can say, wow, that's going to be a tough schedule if things hold, right? I mean, that is a, a, a brutal, brutal schedule. It's a lot harder than it was last year. But if you want to be the best, you know what you got to do? You got to play the best, and you got to beat them. So we should get a chance to see what this team is capable of and what they can do. I think your last question was uh, overall record. I've kind of come around to this early in the season, more picking ranges of wins and losses. So I'm going to kind of be a little chicken and maybe not give you a definite uh, prediction on that. I think this team, uh, six wins, I'm going to say six wins minimum. Eight wins if it's a really, really good season. And you've got to have, again, as we all know from watching our various teams over the last several years uh, between Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech and the Blue Devils, if the ball bounces a certain way or a penalty gets called, okay, or whatever, all those things can happen and drive that win total down or it can drive the win total up. So looking at that schedule with things as they stand right now, I'm, I'm going to say somewhere around six to eight wins is, is what I'm thinking for the Blue Devils. All right, Ben, thanks for that. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now for the last couple questions in the podcast. Ben, you've done a great job giving us comprehensive answers all night and your analysis is outstanding, and we love having you on this show. We get compliments about your analysis all the time, especially from our friend Pick Six, at Pick Six Previews. Brett over at Pick Six Previews is a big fan, big fan, and he, I'm sure he's had, I'm sure he is listening to this as we speak. You know, so thanks again for coming on the show tonight. So right now, today, give us the pulse of the of the Duke, Duke football program. What are the doubles, bloggers, fans, alumni, friends of the program? What are they all thinking of the status of the program right now? Well, first, I want to say Brett is a great uh, guest. I had him on not too long ago. It was really fun listening to him. I, I learned a lot from that. Very informative. I look forward to having him back on. Uh, and uh, I, I'm glad he enjoys what we do. And as far as the pulse of the the program on social media, on wherever, I, th I think it's overwhelmingly positive. I mean, everybody seems very excited about what we could see from this team in 2023. I mean, you guys know it as well as I do. Places like Duke have got to have an older team historically. We're, we're talking about historically to do well. You know, when, when Duke has that, that mix of veteran leadership, and you've seen it at other places like Wake Forest, uh, that are similar academically to what we see in Durham, that's their opportunity to do well. And maybe it comes across once every four or five years. And so we're kind of right in that cycle right now where something really, really good can happen. And if you think back to the 2018 team, which unfortunately was riddled with injuries, we didn't get to quite see them live up to their full potential. But I think everybody's really, really excited and really looking forward to this because this is kind of the first time in a long time where I think we all as fans, Blue Devil Nation thinks that we have a chance to compete every single game. And that's that's past just the diehard fans and includes 
people like me who are a little more skeptical after uh, years of, of watching this team for better for worse. So uh, I think I think it's all fairly positive. Well said, well said, friend. And now we get to the close of the podcast. It's the open microphone time. What do you got for us, Ben? The floor is yours. Anything you want to talk about? Well, absolutely. First, again, I'd like to say thank you for having me on. This is always a lot of fun to talk about a team that I followed uh, for decades now and keep in close touch with. And uh, it's always fun to talk about these guys. And I appreciate you all giving me an opportunity to come chat. Uh, it's always very fun to listen to you guys, and you learn a lot from from these conversations. But as far as open mic, kind of what I'd like to talk about is uh, it may be difficult to do for for all of us, but if you can find a way to support your local sports journalists, uh, do it. Uh, that that's something that is that is I think very very important, and really some of the best information I get about what's going on at the program and what's happening there. It's always great if you can have a source on the team, but that doesn't always happen. Okay. There's, you know, but lots of sports teams grow up around a culture of silence and they don't want to air the dirty laundry or they don't want to vent or they don't want to complain and they shouldn't. And, and you don't want to have to be relying upon trying to get in touch with someone who's playing on the team. Those guys are busy. You don't need to be bothering them. So, what's always good to do and what's always a great place to go is, is go to those lo local journalists, go follow guys like Steve Wiseman, uh, who during basketball season, uh, co-hosts the believe in Duke podcast with the landlord, Sheldon Williams. And, and I'm not being critical of the national guys, but if you want really good coverage of your local teams, go to guys like Connor O'Neill. Okay. They're going to have better insights. They're going to have more contacts. They're going to know what's going on. And they're the, they're the guys that you want to support. And there's others that I didn't name check. I just wanted to particularly name check those two guys because they've been guests on my podcast and I'm looking forward to having them back on. So my open mic is support your local sports journalist. Amen, my friend. David Teal, Mike Barber. You know who those guys are. Absolutely. I'm with you 1000%. Jeff, you're up for. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Um, last thought on the NFL draft that we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast. Um, Clemson led the league with six with six uh, uh, NFL picks, which I don't think was too surprising. But the part I think is a little bit surprising and just kind of shows the growth of where this program is at is Pittsburgh. Uh, they also put six players into the NFL. Um I think, you know what, I, I would say nationally, and this goes back to your point, Ben, about having, you know, local people cover their teams and, and people that really follow the ACC, talking about the ACC. I think Pittsburgh is one of the best kept secrets nationally um, from a football perspective. Uh, the, over the last three years, Pittsburgh has put more players into the NFL than any other team in the ACC including Clemson. I think the number was 14 and, and Clemson was at 13. Um, Pat Narduzzi really has, um, you know, Pittsburgh on, 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 on solid footing. I mean, they won an ACC title uh, last year. They won nine games, beat a top 20 UCLA team and one of the best wins of the season for an ACC team beating UCLA and, and that comeback uh, victory. 
And, you know, the number of players they're putting in the NFL, Pittsburgh is, is, is an established program. And, you know, when we have that podcast uh, later on uh, this year, you know, we're definitely talk about Pittsburgh in that way. Uh, the other thing I want to hit on, um, you know, now we're into May and we're, we're getting, you know, down to the, to the wire here for the ACC b- baseball and softball programs. I saw some projections for this week, uh, some ACC um, baseball projections have as many as 10 ACC teams in in uh, the NCAA baseball tournament. Um, I'm not sure if they can get that many, but it's it's a sure bet. This is not like uh, basketball, unfortunately. Uh, the ACC is probably going to get nine teams into the to that tournament, and it could be 10. Uh, that that might be a bit much we'll have to see on that but you know the fact that they're even bringing that up is big news uh wake forest uh you know that is a team that looks like a bona fide national title contender they are definitely one of the two or three best teams in in the country but then you look down the line um clemson has really started to play well over the last three or four weeks um uh duke you know, they're leading the Coastal Division right now. Uh, they've won nine out of their last ten games and and have been a solid team all year. Miami's been solid. Uh, Virginia kind of hiccuping here uh, a little bit recently, but, you know, they spent most of the year in the in the top 15. Um, I mean, you look at a team like Georgia Tech, who's 8-13 and 13 in the conference, and they have, they have 10 Q1 wins. And they probably wouldn't even make they wouldn't even make the ACC baseball tournament if it was held, you know, this week. And that's a team that's a top fifty in the in the RPI. So that just kind of shows you the depth of of the ACC. And a quick look at the um, the softball standings. So let me just pull that that up here real quick. The ACC's not dead yet, despite the commissioner's lack of attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's he's been an, uh, you know. Uh, when was the last time we saw him talking about telling the uh, basketball coaches not to complain about the officiating or something like that? Everybody's um, got to have a hobby. For the, exactly. All right. So we're looking at the uh, softball standings of Florida State. Um, again, you know they've been the the you know the flagship softball school in the ACC over the last several years recent national title winner um, probably you know the one of the best programs in the country this side of like Oklahoma and you know another outstanding season being there by Florida State they lead the ACC at at 19 and 2 uh, Louisville having a really good season uh, Duke another sport they're 43 and nine right now overall. I mean, they're going to be in the big in, in that tournament when it all is said and done. Clemson's had a, you know, got to, at one point in this season ranked in the top five. Very good team. Virginia Tech, um, North Carolina, you know, 13 and 10. North Carolina uh, in in the softball, but probably as far as like the the selections, you you probably are looking at five bids for the ACC there with Virginia Tech being the last one from the ACC to get in. Maybe a Notre Dame can sneak in there as well. But, you know, ACC also quite a deep league in in softball. So it's going to be an exciting May in in those two sports. 
Definitely, definitely. And can I just say here to close the podcast, I really thought Boston was going to win game seven in Boston tonight because I really thought the NHL wanted to have Boston in. I'm sorry if I sound like a conspiracy, a conspiracy person here, but I was surprised that they lost tonight in overtime to Florida. I never thought that that would happen in Boston and I'm excited. I'm excited to. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the rest of the playoffs. I mean, I it was almost chalk. We're going to find out if it was chalk tonight. If Colorado beats Seattle tonight, you're going to have you know pretty much all the high seeds go through, except for except for except for uh, except for Boston. You know, so it's exciting. It's the great. It's three of the eight. Uh, three of the eight series in the first round went to seven game. Went to seven games. And it's just, I, I love this time of the year. I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I hope the, I hope the, the next couple of rounds also go seven games. It seems, you know, the one interesting thing for me, guys, for ben, ben and Jeff, is that hockey is such a fast sport now that once you reach the age of 30, you start to slow down in your career. You know, there's not a lot of guys that can get beyond 30 because they're a step slower than everybody else. And it's such a fast sport now that, and these guys get drafted when they're 18 years old. My friend's son was picked number 12 last year in the NHL draft. I'm not sure if you ever heard this story, Ben. Uh, he he uh, got drafted in, um, they had the draft in Toronto and then he had to fly down to to Columbus uh, on a plane on a plane down to Columbus to meet with some of the media and the team, and he had forgotten to bring some Amer- some American currency with him from Canada. He's from he's from Winnipeg, about ninety miles from where I grew up, and or I should say the border about ninety miles from Winnipeg, but about ninety miles from my hometown in North Dakota. And he lives about you know he's about ten miles north of the border, and he forgot to bring. Some Canadian, some U.S. currency to cut to 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 Columbus, and so we were trying to, you know, I had offered to try and help him send, you know, help send some food and an Uber eats over to his hotel so he could at least eat one night before um be- before he was meeting with the team the next day, and then he was apparently embarrassed to tell the team. That uh, his name's Jason Mate- J- J- Jason Matejcik. He was apparently appar- uh, appar- apparently embarrassed to tell the team manager that he forgot to bring United States currency into the country. And so I thought you guys would enjoy that story. So anyway, I tried to help him. I almost helped him. I you know, I was I was a saint that night. But somebody, but they came to the general manager from the from 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 Columbus came to his rescue. <laughs> Which is pretty cool, that's actually. A great story. But, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come back on anytime, especially during the season. You can give us your take on the ACC. Happy to do it. Just let me know when. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.